Welcome to Conversations with Owens Community College President, Dr. Dion D. Somerville. Welcome to the fourth episode of the Conversations podcast. I'm Dr. Dion D. Somerville. Whether this is your first episode or if you're a regular listener, I'm so glad you're here joining us for this journey through the many ways that Owens Community College touches our region and the people in it. I've already had the pleasure of sitting down with Ohio Department of Higher Education Chancellor Randy Gardner, Toledo Fire and Rescue Chief Allison Armstrong, and Toledo Public Schools Superintendent Dr. Romulus Durant. I invite you to listen to any of these previous episodes and also to be sure to follow Conversations so you can join us for future episodes. This brings me to today's guest, Mr. Dean Monsky, President and CEO of the Regional Growth Partnership. He is certainly a well-known leader in our business community. RGP helps bring investment, businesses, and high-quality jobs to the 17 counties of Northwest Ohio. And I currently have the pleasure of sitting on RGP's Board of Directors. Mr. Monsky is someone who knows this region well, not only with his work with RGP, where he previously served as Vice President, but also as a former City of Toledo Deputy Mayor for External Affairs. He is a graduate of Bowling Green State University, earning his bachelor's in psychology. In more than a decade with Mr. Monsky at its helm, the RGP has been twice named one of the top economic development groups in the country. RGP has also helped the Toledo metropolitan area earn the national distinction of being ranked number one for economic development activity. Mr. Monsky himself was given the Lifetime Achievement Award at the Entrepreneurial and Business Excellence Hall of Fame event last fall. In his time at RGP, the organization, along with its partners, has helped secure more than 30,000 new jobs to the region with capital investment well over $20 billion. As Owens continues to expand our workforce alignment and relationships across the region, RGP is an essential partner, and I'm so excited to discuss what we've already accomplished together. Welcome to Conversations. Let's get started. As you know, I always like to ask our guests, how they decided that they needed education beyond high school. And tell me about your story. My parents said, hey, you probably want to go to college. That's a good thing. Just my dad, one of his favorite sayings was, be whatever you want to be, but be the best. So I always had certainly that impressed upon me from my parents. But I will tell you, I don't know for sure if I ever would have went to college if it wasn't for sports. I was a track and cross country runner in high school had a scholarship to Wake Forest where I went my first year and then actually came back to BGSU for my Final Four and still ran. But that's really what drove me to go there. At least I was smart enough to know if somebody said, we want to pay for it, that I took advantage of that. But I'm not sure if I would have went otherwise. And now where I am today and actually learned what I learned through that experience, to me it was something that building of your early professional network, the relationships, you definitely got to grow a lot versus if you know, I would have stayed home and got, I don't know what kind of job and sooner or later, hopefully moved out of the house. And, you know, that normal path, if you wouldn't go to that higher education. So for me, it was just um, invaluable. And quite honestly, my career, I couldn't have had it without that. At that time, there was still quite a bit of careers that you couldn't even get an interview unless you had that degree. So to me, it was absolutely invaluable to get it. And I had no idea really when I got out of school with a psychology degree, what I was going to do with it. And then, you know, it got kind of interesting. We could do a whole podcast on how those twists and turns got me to where I'm at today. But the experience itself was second to none. And the reality is I could not have gotten to where I am today without that. And I think we're seeing that again. I think there's a huge difference today of the four-year versus two-year certificates and those things. But they simply allow you a pathway for opportunity that without it, you simply don't have. 
the fact that sports is what was the driver for you, I think a lot of times folks, when they think of collegiate athletics, they only think of the Power Five and what they see on television, bowl games, things of that nature. And it has such a big role in how people either find themselves in higher education or the experience that they have or even the retention. Because it's one thing, you know, you know you need good grades, but you also need to keep eligibility, especially, you know, NCAA athletes. So what was it about your college experience that has had the most meaning on your professional life? Again, I would say with having that psychology degree, I think certainly really understanding how to deal with people. But you'll get that with any degree or any any amount of higher education because you're put in those situations to where now you're no longer a teenager, but you're becoming a young adult. And, and I think it just really helps with, number one, managing schedules, managing what you have to do on your own. You no longer have, you know, a parent or someone else telling you what to do. And I think that is huge. Um, and again, I, I, I mentioned earlier those professional con- contacts that you have. I think um, a lot, some of my closest friends still today are those that I, that I went to college with. Um, and that always, you just never know where um, that connection of how that's going to help you later in your life. And I think we also saw, at least in, in my time being now 58 years old, when I first started, when you went to look for a job, you would actually look in the paper and the want ads. Um, <laughs> you know, you don't really see that today. And even though we've gone more technical, I would still say a lot of jobs in the marketplace are still through connections that somebody knows somebody and they say, hey, we're looking for. And so I think those connections and what you get through that higher education experience um, is phenomenal. So I, I love, matter of fact, the Owens commercials that are on TV where it talks about people that came from there and professionals in the region that have really important big jobs. And then they say, this is where I got my start. And it was Owens Community College. That's where they got their start. And a lot of that was connections and people they knew and um you know, the corporations and those that did internships with or what have you. So I think all those things are just invaluable and you can't have them without that experience. I mean, it's almost like you're borrowing the college's network. And so it's like any internships, professional development, the career services office, all of that is hugely important, not to mention the people who you meet while you're enrolled and how they help along the way. And so it's pretty amazing, particularly for students who may be first generation or don't come from a family that has connections. You have to get it somewhere. Now, you have lived in this area most of your life. Talk to me a little bit about how you've seen our economy evolve, how it's changed over the years, and what really makes it special to you. First of all, from a change perspective, I think we have really gone, and I think smaller, second-tier size communities and regions around the country, I think a lot of experiences. For us, certainly in the 60s and 70s, we had an incredibly robust economy. Um, I believe at that time we had 11 Fortune 500s. Matter of fact, we had more Fortune 500s per capita than anywhere in the country at that time. Then we saw kind of a a downturn, if you will. My senior year of high school, 82, how much in the last couple of months we heard people saying, at least in the last month, this is the worst inflation we've had in 40 years. Well, 40 years ago was 82. That was my senior year in high school. So coming, being born and raised here in Toledo, seeing this incredible economy and region, and then all of a sudden it kind of had some hiccups and some downturns, lost a lot of those big companies, um, had some financial struggles at that time, and we really saw a pretty strong downturn. A downtown Toledo is a great example of that that really went from a heyday of my grandparents and parents to probably the worst we've ever seen in the city. 
Now fast forward to the past 10 years and we've seen this incredible renaissance and change in the economy throughout all of Northwest Ohio. Many people know what's, what's happened certainly with ProMedica leading the way in downtown Toledo with some of the renaissance of downtown Toledo, but whether it be Van Wert, Allen County with Lima, Defiance, a lot of these other communities are seeing the exact same thing, that in the last 10 years, we have had this incredible rebirth and growth. Probably the only numbers I'll mention today, in the last 10 years, on average for Northwest Ohio, we, we have about 115 new companies or expanding companies here in the region. And those 115 projects represent over 4,200 new direct jobs to Northwest Ohio and over $3.2 billion of capital investment each and every year as an average. A couple of years ago, we went over four and a half billion of capital investment. Last year in 2021, we had over 6,500 new jobs added to the region. So I think it's just been this incredible roller coaster, and we have been really on a 10-year pace forward. And I would say there doesn't look to be really any end in sight because a lot of it has been the partnerships in the region, um, being able to finally get out and sell the assets to those around the country that need to hear about them, and we're seeing good success. So I would say the future looks really, really strong. Certainly for those that want to have good careers and want to have good jobs, the future looks just incredibly strong for Northwest Ohio. I was not born and raised in Toledo, but to be in this region, to really recognize the wealth of opportunities, the growth, the resources, things of that nature. And there's Amazon, there's Intel, I mean, there's all these major international businesses that are calling Ohio home. But can you talk a little bit about the impact? So Intel's facilities will be in central Ohio, but one of the things that's been impressed really from the president of the United States all the way through is this is going to have a big impact not only for central Ohio, but the whole state and the whole country. And so can you talk a little bit about that? We get that question a lot, especially here in Northwest Ohio. We're probably the region. There are six regions that the state of Ohio is broken up into. And as you said, it's really going to be in the Columbus region. Central Ohio is where the majority of that um, uh, 20 billion, and if we pass the chips bill, which hopefully happens, we'll probably see, you know, over 10 years, things getting closer to 100 billion from Intel. Whether we have direct companies, so there's 140 suppliers uh, to Intel already in the state of Ohio, and regardless of where they would have put that facility, those suppliers are going to grow because there's going to be more business for them. I don't know if we'll have a whole lot of direct impact that we are attracting new companies to Northwest Ohio because most of what's going to happen there um, is going to be in that general vicinity to that company. Most every company today, you have suppliers that want to be as close as possible because that cuts down on costs of transportation and materials. And so probably the majority of that direct benefit will be in central Ohio. Having said that, it has already done incredible things for all of Ohio, and that really has been probably based more on perception of what now Ohio means to the rest of the country and the world when it comes to, again, what I will call higher tech things like chip manufacturing. So it has really put us on the map that we already are having people reaching out to us and consultants we talk to wanting to understand that and how did it happen? Why did something of that magnitude pick Ohio? So that does reflect on the entire state and it will give places like Northwest Ohio that much more credibility and markets beyond the typical industry segments that we've worked in historically for 100 years. So we're, we're pretty excited about it. Um, and I'm sure there will be some 
direct ancillary benefits, but I think what it's done for us already on the uh, credibility stage has is, is already paid dividends for us. It's, it's interesting because having gone to school myself most of the time in Ohio and having lived here not only now but previously, it's like you recognize Ohio as kind of quintessential middle America. You know, it's heartland, work ethic, things of that nature. But as you talk about the image change, that is huge in terms of some of our state leaders, and I'm paraphrasing, that anyone who's looking to locate a company anywhere has to at least consider Ohio now. And so can you talk a little bit about what is so special about Ohio and what is so compelling? Why else would someone want to consider Ohio? First, let me take a step back and say Intel, what I've said about the last 10 years, all that's fantastic. But we have had a history, first of all. It's not like Ohio is, boy, no one's paid attention to Ohio. There's a little thing called the Governor's Cup, which is Site Selection Magazine, which is kind of the Bible of the economic development industry nationally and has been for 35 years. They basically compare apples to apples to 50 states across the country. They've been doing it for 35 years. There's been no time that Ohio has finished outside of second place for 15 years. Texas is normally number one because they're the largest state by far in the country. And they simply have more companies, more opportunity, but they've recently in the last decade done it on a per capita basis as well as just raw data. Ohio's now finished number one for 10 years in a row per capita and number two on the overall number. So Ohio's been doing an incredible job for a very long time. Where some people might think, well, wait a minute, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, how can that be? I know we lost. Well, because we're in the automotive industry very strongly, and the automotive industry went through some major challenges over the last decade. So yes, we may have lost some companies and lost opportunities, but we always backfill and make them up with new companies that are seeing the very advantages that Intel saw. So whether it's our logistics capabilities, workforce, which everyone knows continues to get more and more important, and just those sheer business assets we have. Plus, we have been very fortunate with state government and the administrations we've had that we have really gone from the high 40s of where we're ranked within cost of doing business, uh, taxes especially. We are now number one in all the Midwest states, and we used to be in the high 40s nationally, and now we're in the top 10 and top five in almost every category by third-party credible sources that do this apples-to-apples comparison across the country. So again, Ohio's been very strong for a very long time, but we've continued to get better and not just rested on, well, we're number one or number two. We continue to change those things to the better for what we know businesses are looking for. So I would say it's all those things combined. As a person who recently, well, I guess not too recently, a year ago relocated, makes me really happy that I've relocated to Ohio because it's at a time where so many things are continuing to happen. And so you've been in economic development for a little while. What are some of the biggest accomplishments that you're proud of that RGP has helped shepherd to the area? That's a tough question with some of the facts and figures I just gave you. I'd probably go more philosophical than project basis, really. In the last decade, and I've been leading the RGP now for 11 years, and I would say one of the things I'm most proud about is the collaboration within the region we deal in. RGP covers 17 counties in Northwest Ohio, and the collaboration we now have amongst economic development organizations, higher education, the public and private sectors. Again, RGP is completely private, so we have over 70 investors that write checks to us to allow us to do the work. And the reason they do that is because those companies, whether you're a construction company, 
a car dealer, a bank, an accounting firm, or an institution of higher education, you want to see the region grow because if the region grows, that benefits everyone. So I would say it's that collaborative effort that we have never had so much collaboration and so much success as we've had here in the last decade. And a lot of that does come from leaders of these organizations. And as we all know, it starts with trust and spending time together and understanding that everyone wants to share resources, no one wants to take all the credit, and all those things make a huge difference. If you talk to national site location consultants, they're the ones that work with these big companies and help them decide where to put that new investment and create those new jobs. We just had 10 of them in town for three days last week. We do this every year. We bring them from around the country, and they get to see it for themselves. Talk to CEOs of companies. Talk to utilities. Talk to those people that can help their clients be successful. And they're the first ones to tell you they rarely see the kind of collaboration that we have here in Northwest Ohio and other parts of the country. As a matter of fact, getting back to higher education, which um, we're talking about here at Owens Community College, we had seven university presidents sitting together on a panel for two hours last Wednesday morning. And it was two years, four years, public and private, all together, all obvious that they knew each other, all talking about how they worked together to create the kind of skill sets the companies are looking for for the jobs they have available. And it's always the number one ranked session of those three days. And they said, this is something, they've said it every year. We have never seen this anywhere else in the U.S. to see everyone working together. So that is my, I would say, biggest success. The metrics and the numbers and the new jobs and the new investment, those, again, we punch well above our weight statewide. And for a region that is our size, um, there's not many others in the country that have those kind of numbers. But I think it's still the model that we've built and the platform we've built um, that really allows for those good things to happen. You mentioned the collaboration. I think that's one of those things that has struck me so much. It's not just collaboration within sector. I think we have a wonderful system of higher education in Ohio, but I am biased. But it's also the collaboration in between different industries and sectors. One of the things I valued about being part of RGP is if there's ever a question I have, I know I can reach out to you or one of your team. And even if you don't know exactly the answer, you know who to connect me to who can get me the answer. That's one of the things we love to tout at RGP is we may not have the answer, but we know the person on our cell phone that we can call and they'll pick up the phone. It's been an incredible resource. So we talked about how the region has evolved a little bit and we talked a little bit about economic development and we used the example of Intel specifically. One of the things that really made the importance of microchips so important was the pandemic. I don't know that we realized how integrated the computer chips are in everything. When people start talking about shortages of cars, it wasn't that the cars weren't being manufactured. It's just they couldn't be completed because of chips. I mean, there's all of these things that go back to the pandemic. And so what have been some of the biggest opportunities for our regional economy that have been created because of COVID-19? Certainly it had a huge effect on small business. We all know what it did to maybe your favorite restaurant or other places that you would go. On the positive side of it, we saw no change for large projects for that 115 projects I talked about and what that meant. We saw a continuation of stronger years each and every year. So while acknowledging small business was certainly affected, we had a couple of major projects. And when I say major project, we're talking things that are 100 million or 400 million, and maybe there's 600, 700 jobs involved. 
people may have put the brakes on a little bit, especially at the beginning. Let's kind of wait to see what happens here for a couple of months because before we pull a trigger on a major investment, let's kind of wait to see what happens here. That certainly was part of it, but those projects did not stop. They got back on track within six to eight months. And quite honestly, after the first wave, you didn't see that slowdown. It almost seemed as though people had figured out how to do it. It was difficult for everyone at first where you'd have big manufacturing companies with people side by side. And then you started having the glass partitions put up and the mask and all the things they did. Some of our largest companies were really some, uh, I would say, early adopters of some of that work because some of them simply didn't have the opportunity to shut down. So you had to figure it out where somebody else could say, you know what, we're going to go to uh, virtual you know, offices and what have you, and it was maybe easier for some companies than others. A lot of the companies in Northwest Ohio didn't have that opportunity, so they had to figure out how to get it done, and they were some, again, those early adopters of uh, a lot of the things that then after the fact, two years later, we took for granted. So again, I think it was a very unique time, even in our world. So having that meeting with a company on that project and how you were going to manage that couple months long from groundbreaking to workforce to how are we going to do it to incentives to all of those things happened virtually and it was a little odd at first and it took time to get used to but like everyone else it now it seems second nature and some of that still hangs over today the productivity that's one thing I would say through COVID as well the productivity absolutely went through the roof because we weren't spending half the time and finances on driving and flying places and doing things that when everyone was forced into it, it's like, wow, this really has worked out pretty well. So, One of the phrases that I've never enjoyed was new normal. I just think the term normal is subjective. But some of what I think we've learned and how we've been able to adapt is pretty amazing. And one of the things that I learned about Owens is in the heart of the pandemic, the institution never completely closed because we knew that there were students who needed us for internet access or for books, things of that nature. And some of the fields we teach, some of your lectures easily could go to a virtual format, but it's kind of hard to do welding remotely. And with our economic base that's so heavily involved in manufacturing, it makes a lot of sense that a lot of our businesses couldn't go remote or couldn't close. Can you talk a little bit about our economic base in the region. I mean, we all know about our connection to advanced manufacturing, the auto industry, but how has that evolved over the years? First of all, the good news for this economy is we are incredibly diverse, right? People look at us as, yes, we have automotive, that's legacy, but still we're seeing some of the new electric vehicle, whether it be these battery plants we're all hearing about, or we still have a lot of those opportunities we're working on. But so certainly advanced manufacturing and automotive is a big part. But again, I think we are incredibly diverse and you look at things are, are really that we say are five industry segments that we can compete with anybody in the globe. It's those things certainly, but then also we have energy, food and agriculture, which of course is huge in Northwest Ohio. Then you also look at logistics, which we haven't talked a lot about, but I know, you, you know we have the new Owens uh, Center for Manufacturing Logistics. That's always been extremely uh, important to us. And then of course, throw in healthcare with having Mercy, which is the largest healthcare system in the state. And then you also have ProMedica right here in Toledo that now has a national presence. Um, Those are huge opportunities. And I think within those industry segments, I think there are so many great opportunities for young people coming up that are looking for those careers. And so many of them now, you know, I like to say when it comes especially to manufacturing, 
even in manufacturing, the reason they call it advanced manufacturing, it's not your parents' manufacturing jobs. These are incredibly clean, high-tech operations with great technology, with all the robotics and automation that are in there. Those jobs that might have been an entry-level job in a manufacturing facility in your parents' days, might not have been the cleanest spots, doing the same thing for eight hours a day. That's not today's manufacturing. So I think that's the exciting part about Northwest Ohio. Matter of fact, I mentioned robotics. I believe it was McKinsey three, four years ago that did a national study. Northwest Ohio had the most number of robotics and automation of any region in the country um, per capita. So again, we've always been a very strong kind of leading when it comes to technology in the manufacturing space. So I think those technology applications, which of course are higher paying jobs, it's why we're seeing so much automation because you don't have people today that really want to go into that entry level job and do something that's repetitive, where now automation robotics can do that. But we need a lot of people to work on those robotics and that automation, and that takes a higher skill set which you can get like places at Owens where you can get those certificates. I don't necessarily need to go and get a four-year degree where I can get a very high-paying job that's going to support a family and it's going to have career advancement opportunities and all of those things across even food and agriculture. If you haven't been into a tractor lately of a big farm, there's nobody touching anything. And then I think they're probably in there listening to this podcast or, you know, watching Sports Center because nobody's touching anything. It's all GPS driven. And I mean, it's just incredible what is out there today. And again, to me, for younger people, there's the opportunities because someone has to manage, fix, do all those things with all that technology. So that to me is the great part of Northwest Ohio, just an incredibly diverse set of companies and industries. So pretty much whatever you're attracted to, you're going to have that opportunity. And one of the things that you had alluded to, the Center for Advanced Manufacturing and Logistics, which is a partnership between Owens, Bowling Green, State University, and the University of Finley. It really is exciting because all three of us as institutions have a different specialty that we bring to the table. We have a lot of the short-term training certificate and two-year programs, and then you have the different bachelor's programs and graduate degrees at, at both of them because you can start in one spot and continue to move forward. One of the things that was really impressive to me when I first started was touring our Dana Center. And, you know, our Dana Center for Advanced Manufacturing, we had the grand opening about a year ago, but to see what quote-unquote factory work looks like is amazing. I remember looking at this modern conveyor belt. It wasn't Laverne and Shirley or I Love Lucy anymore. It was, can you program this for all of the different configurations? And it was pretty amazing to see some of that. Can you talk a little bit about what advanced manufacturing means, particularly in workforce development? I think that A lot of times people, even though we use the term advanced manufacturing, I don't know that people really get that it's not the same thing that their parents and grandparents talked about. It's probably a great example of that, and especially since it triggered me when you said uh, conveyor belts. It's for solar, uh, our solar panel manufacturer in uh, Perrysburg Township. World's largest thin fill manufacturer, the largest of any manufacturer now in the Western Hemisphere. If they continue doing what they're doing and the plans we have coming on, I, I think they're soon going to be uh, the world's largest panel manufacturer. But that's right here in our own backyard. Actually, came out of research at the University of Toledo, came from Harold McMaster, became Solar Cells, and turned into First Solar. And just an incredible company. And that is a great example of high tech manufacturing where. They employ thousands of people, 
but there's very few hands that ever touch anything within that entire process. It is almost all robotics and systems, and you look at their big board in their major manufacturing facility, there's a huge, it's like a whiteboard on a wall, but it's showing the entire process from beginning to end, and you've got green, yellow, and red, and where technicians have to go if there's an issue or something's going slow or not working the way it's supposed to, but you watch it on conveyor belts from beginning to end go, and then finally somebody on a forklift, they're still not touching them, but they're being loaded onto pallets and shipped out, and that time it takes to do it is, and it's 24 seven operation, it's just phenomenal. So there has to be a lot of sharp people with technical skills. And a lot of it is, again, it's you're, you're working with what kids do today when they're five years old. It's like having an iPad and you're working on things that way and understanding where those spots are that need to be addressed. But um, I think you see that not just in the big names like First Solar, but it's probably almost any manufacturing in Northwest Ohio. And as a matter of fact, you mentioned the center, I, I think, those are the spots most manufacturers in today's environment have three or four you know they call them manufacturing technicians um, but it's the kind of stuff we're talking about here that almost all of them have and i think the dana center came out of some of that knowledge of working directly with companies to identify with those that are trying to figure out what are those programs we want to offer people looking for those careers it's working directly with those companies and hearing right from them, or these are the exact skill sets we need. And I think from even again, 10 to 15 years ago, what those skill sets and kind of degrees you needed have really changed a great deal. Um, where there's certain things companies will say, we can teach that to them. And even simple things like soft skills have become so important. I think for young people coming out that maybe you don't need Again, look, I, I came out of a four-year program. I think they're fantastic, but not everyone needs that today. Being able to get a certificate and coming to somewhere like an Owens to where you know exactly when I come out with that, I will have a sought-after skill that there'll be a couple hundred companies in Northwest Ohio that want to vie for my talents to come to that operation. So again, I can only talk so intelligent. If I had my workforce person sitting next to me, he'd be able to go on <laughs> with all kinds of technical stuff. Fine. But I think that's certainly very important to have those centers. And there are so many opportunities for young people. And I say young people, again, it could be a 45-year-old that says, I want to upskill something and do some of these other things. Those opportunities, I think, are endless in regions like Northwest Ohio. It's pretty amazing because there are so many opportunities. And even reflecting back when you talked about the major industry sectors in Northwest Ohio, there's the manufacturing that you mentioned the robotics study. Between that, the new bridge from Canada, there's all of these things that are working together that really fueled the creation of the Innovation Hub and made the timing of the Dana Center that much more impressive. I still think there is a knowledge lack of these opportunities. So, you know, one of the biggest things we're charged with, again, is continuing to work with places like Owens and others to make sure that we are telling that story. You and I spoke before we got on air here about Romulus Strand at TPS and the things they have going on within that school system that I think I'm kind of in the know about this stuff, but when I heard this video of him for over an hour talking about them all, I, I think my jaw was on the table half time going, I was not aware of this. So, so much of it is truly being educated on the opportunities and being willing to simply raise your hand because there are so many organizations out there that have the information that can help people, simply help them navigate that of where is your interest. And I think we can probably find something 
that's going to be a great career for you without, you know, unfortunately losing a lot of our young people once they graduate to want to leave the region. Some because they just want to go somewhere different, which is fine, but others that just don't think there's an opportunity. Um, our two boys went to Chicago right away as soon as they graduated from Ohio State, and that was great. Um, but a lot of it is just not understanding that there are opportunities here that you don't have to move if you don't want to, and you can have an incredible life and a really rewarding, high-paying career without having to get a some kind of degree that, hey, I can never get to that point. That's, that's no longer necessary in today's world. Well, and one of the things that I really appreciate and enjoy about our curriculum is that we have the short-term programs, but we also have all of these transfer pathways that if someone wants to start here and then go to another place. And nursing and healthcare is one of the areas where we do that a lot, where we have a variety of programs and then we're able to transition on. Healthcare is an industry that has seen a lot of change in the last couple of years. And so from your lens at RGP, what are some of the things that you're looking at it, how it's changing, some of the things that give you comfort about the strength of our healthcare industry in the region and what might be some questions you have for the future? So I'm going to to answer this by first making a comment. You said we have these pathways and the partnerships between the two-year and the four-year institutions. What I also love about that, go back to First Solar, most of these companies today that are looking for this talent and know that they can have a certificate that gives them what they need, they're paying tuition reimbursement and encouraging those employees to then go on while they work at their expense to go on and get that additional degree or further their education. So it really does lend itself to wherever somebody feels they need to be for today and in the future. And that was not what I tell you what, there was no one saying they want to pay for your college outside of sports. And unless you had really good grades and you were, you didn't have that. So now there are so many more opportunities that that finance should almost never be a barrier to anyone getting that education. But back to healthcare and your question. So it's not really what I would call a sweet spot for RGP. We truly more are on the manufacturing side, but the amount of programs you just mentioned and that Owens is doing it here, the programs that are out there, certainly for nurses, as we know, that is a national shortage like many. But I think that all the things we've talked about from the collaboration, everyone working together and working directly with, whether it be the ProMedicas and the Mercies of the world, to know what their needs are and then to help form programs specific to those needs, that's where I feel as though I I feel pretty bullish on we're going to be okay in that because we see so much more of that going on. And it's really the, the relationship RGP has had with Owens over the years, and you and I have talked about this quite a bit. The thing that I see the most valuable to us is when we bring that company. Look, we talk about First Solar a lot, it seems like, just because they've had so much growth here in the last couple of years. But they're a great example where Owens is working directly with them. So we have this connectivity to know that if a company has a specific need and a large need, you know, you're going to hire a 1,000 people over a you know, 14, 16-month period of time, they're going to have to work directly with some institutions to say, yeah, we're going to be able to get probably a decent percentage of that from the marketplace and be able to attract people from outside of our region. But there's going to be a big chunk of that says we've got a lot of 160,000 graduating seniors this year in Northwest Ohio. And we have that just about every year. That's a lot of talent. That's a lot of people. So we know if we can show them the opportunity and say, hey, if you take this training, you're going to have this job when you get done. That's where working with, I think, the more nimble institutions to create 
those programs, that's what makes me feel like we're we're kind of on the right track. And it's not just me. I, I like saying instead, I'll go back to these national site location consultants. We've got 200 very close friends around the country. There's thousands of them, but some of the top ones know us very well and have been here. They tell us we're doing as well as anybody in this space. So I think that gives me some pretty good feeling that, again, they say those that figure this out first, since it's a national issue, they're going to be the communities of the future for sure. Well, it's interesting when you talk about the employer reimbursement early on last school year when I was at the Findlay campus, um, had the opportunity to speak with a group of students, and I asked them all, why did you choose Owens? And it's amazing the practicality. There was this one post-traditional student, I would guess he was at least in his 30s, and he said, well, it's close to where I work and my employer pays for my education. And he talked about the flexibility of being able to go to work when it's class time. He leaves, comes to class, and then turns right back around and goes back to work. And I think that those kinds of partnerships and that flexibility are hugely important, particularly for students who find themselves already in the world of work. Right. You get to a certain point and almost feel like you can't go back. I don't have the time. I don't have the, and how am I going to, it's just right. So those avenues have been provided that, again, simply didn't exist before. So let's talk a little bit more about workforce development. And I know higher education has been in the business of workforce development since it's been invented. We just talk about it differently now, right? In the 1700s, we were training preachers, right? And so as we look at how it has evolved and everyone talks about the workforce shortage and the great, whatever you want to call it, resignation, reckoning, um, whichever term you prefer. What are some of the things that we've been doing well in terms of talent development? Are we on the right track? Are there things we need to consider differently? What are your thoughts around this issue? I'll give you a couple of general comments on, I'm trying to think, this was uh, MZ and I think McKinsey. MZ is a group that provides a lot of data nationally that a lot of us in our world and others use that data. They're really kind of, again, the Bible and the source for a lot of things that you can you know put some faith into. And I saw a 56-page slide deck presentation that was put together by Ben Jeff Sprague, our workforce and talent person, said, hey, this is one of the best ones I've ever seen that answers the question, where did everybody go and what happened? So the first thing I'll say is if you combine all the factors from demographics to the people retiring, we're not having as many babies, we're not having a replacement rate for the population, and they laid it out in such a simplified manner. And that was great. My light bulbs went off. I finally understood it. That's the good news. The bad news is there's no silver bullet. There really is not a whole lot of answers because some of the challenges we face that look like they're not really going to improve for, I mean, you could look a decade plus out, and there's not a lot of great answers to change some of the things that it's just the fact. Again, baby boomers leaving, we're not having as many babies as we used to. All Those are things that that's going to be with us for a while. So that kind of, in a way, it kind of makes you a little depressed when you see it. I think the good side of this is what are we doing regardless of whether those things were there or not? If we have the issue, what are the things we're trying to do to improve upon it? And I'd say there's a couple of really important things. The first one to go back to, and I can't say how important it is enough, and that is collaboration. So we built in the last two years here at RGP, now going back almost three years ago, when we knew this was becoming the biggest issue, it was the, as soon as someone said workforce in a meeting, forget what your agenda was. The rest of the meeting was taken over of that issue because it was becoming so important. 
So three years ago, we decided to, at RGP, within our 17 counties in Northwest Ohio, we thought if we could just have simply a person that was had a daily responsibility and their day job was connecting dots, best practices, really trying to form an ecosystem in Northwest Ohio where everyone involved, since so many people were involved in it, uh, we said even to our board, there's more people involved in workforce than every other aspect of economic development combined. So if there's a thousand person, you know, thousand people at the table and I take one of my 14 and put them over there, that's not gonna change anything or move the needle. But what if we really got everyone truly together, which they weren't, and I'm not being critical, but someone in defiance that's doing this great program with the high schools, there's no one there that has the responsibility to go tell somebody in Sandusky County or in Findlay. So what if we put a person there and they simply brought everyone together, understood the ecosystem, and what we did in the last two years, to make a long story short, is we've created seven what I will call micro coalitions throughout the 17 counties. And each one of those coalitions, some are two counties large, some are five counties large, that they have public, private, educational institutions, economic development, and workforce agencies all as part of that coalition within that, that micro Politan area of our region. And each one of those seven has somebody from it on a macro coalition that is kind of trying to understand the whole thing and make sure it's all connected. And so what's really happened is we've been able to share some of those best practices and really try to connect some of the dots that weren't being done before. And we've seen some really nice successes from that. So that alone, we now, as a matter of fact, one of the examples of, I would call it a success, not directly with a company or jobs, is Lieutenant Governor and through Governor DeWine and Governor, Lieutenant Governor Houston created this Ohio to Work program. And they started it in Cleveland and Cuyahoga County. The reason why Cuyahoga County had the highest unemployment of all 88 counties in the state. All it was really meant to do at its essence was connect businesses with those seeking jobs and to find a way to make that connection. Well, it worked really well, so that was the pilot, so they wanted to do it throughout the entire state and they were gonna do it through the six regions. We were slated to be last. Once they really understood the ecosystem we had created, we went up to number two, and now we have it here in Northwest Ohio where LISC is the local initiative, Support Corporation is the administrative body of it, working with this ecosystem we've created within the Toledo MSA, and then it will go out, actually, they're already doing some now and some, I think, Defiance, Finley, and Lima as well. So. Again, having that collaboration, having people know that if you come in and have a need, there's a spot I go, and I don't have to go have six meetings and find out how it all works together, but I can go somewhere to an entity or a group that's not even official, but I know they're all connected together. So I, as a company, are going to be able to share my needs, and then they can share with the institutions and those providing the education for the skills. All of it now is connected. So we're starting to see more and more successes because then again, I mentioned that Ohio to work, which I think is incredibly important, but then we also have the Ohio Means Jobs offices, which are kind of the statewide, I forget what they were called in the day, it was called the source and other things, and jobs and family services that does the same thing. But for the first time, everything is connected. So I think you're seeing a lot of best practices and a lot of more focused resources put on the things that we know are gonna give companies what they want and gonna give those seeking jobs an opportunity that wherever they reach out to, they will be connected to the whole versus going one spot and maybe they only get 5% of the story. 
Well, that 5% is going to be connected to the other 95%. And that's just hugely important, again, for those that just don't know where to go. There really has become no wrong door within the entire region. I think that network and that connectivity is incredibly important. And that really seems to fuel a lot of how Northwest Ohio in particular works in terms of advances and collaborations. What can higher education do to help? You know, we always say we're a driver of economic development. We know that we have a huge role to play in pipeline development and in helping educate and train individuals. What is it that we can do to help? What is it that we can do better? How do you see our role evolving? What you can do to help is some of what we've already talked about, which you do exceedingly well. When we bring a company and literally bring company officials to this campus and sit down and talk with Quentin and your workforce people and and they say, okay, here's what our needs are. You know, can you provide that to us? So whether it's you or one of your partners, and that's what I like, again, about the collaborative atmosphere, if it's not you, you're going to be the first one to say, hey, but talk to our partner. That's kind of in their sweet spot of helping. That's the number one thing, in my opinion, we can do. And while that's more project-based specifically, I think the work that the entire consortium has done a couple of years ago that led actually to the manufacturing center, didn't lead to the center, but lended to you to getting some funding from Jobs Ohio, which we haven't really talked much about yet. But Jobs Ohio is the, the statewide RGP, the private sector economic development group that has a whole lot of financial resources. And they're the ones that three years ago started the conversation in Northwest Ohio of what do the majority of manufacturers need? What are those skill sets? They simply had a one-day meeting where they decided with those 12 companies in the room that was a nice cross-section of companies and people that we know well and that we know would be willing to share this information. What is it you're looking for, the top three skill sets? And so if you say manufacturing technician, let's first of all agree on definitions, which they did. The second half of the meeting was where are you currently getting those people from now? And Owens was one of those that they talked about and six other institutions in Northwest Ohio. So then they came back with those institutions saying, what do you need to produce more of that? Which again, some was machinery like welding, some was instructors, and there were just a myriad of different things. I think Jobs Ohio wrote checks about 1.6 million to those institutions to help provide more of that thing they needed. So that's a great timeline of going to the company, what are your needs? How are you currently getting those needs met, even though we know it's not enough? Let's go back to the very people you said you're getting it from and ask them, how can we help you do more of that? So that's a great example of how higher education is truly a partner and no longer the days of the ivory tower. We don't need to listen to anyone. We're going to create some programs and hopefully somebody wants to take them. I mean, those days seem to be long gone, that it's much more tailored uh, to what's needed. So I'd say that's number one thing. The second thing is just being engaged. The institutions are on those micro coalitions I talked about through RAPIDS, which is a, you know, when I get into that, it's a name that is a consortium of our higher education institutions. And somebody from who represents RAPIDS is on that macro coalition over all of it. So again, having the connectivity and the ability anytime we need to reach out and say, hey, a company wants to come or we want to share with you how we think if we created some different programs, that would be a benefit. Um, all of that just being easily the conversations to easily happen and be connected that's uh, can we all do better sure and I guess we're always looking for new ways but higher education has been again the last and certainly my time on the last decade has just been phenomenal partners all the way around at at reaching out to, to be part of that solution.
We appreciate that and appreciate the partnership that we've had from you as well and things that we enjoy is being on the front end of things. And you had mentioned the conversation and collaboration between higher education and business and industry. So many of our programs actually have industry advisory boards where people who are currently in the industry help infuse that information and where things are going. We were talking about some renovations that we have coming up related to our healthcare programs, knowing that some of that renovation is being fueled by changes that are coming up in the industry to make sure that our students always have the most recent current knowledge as they go out into the workforce. It's something that we always will strive to be even better on. I think that is something very central to the academic programs that we offer. Is there anything that I haven't asked you that you wanted to be able to share? The only thing I'd throw out, I mentioned Jobs Ohio briefly, that they're the statewide RGP. They were created again 11 years ago, right when I came back to run the organization. And what I would say is, we talk collaboration here in the region, what that has done for the state of Ohio, and I think it kind of is the secret sauce. There's no other state in the U.S. that has a privately funded that they do what Jobs Ohio does. So it used to be done out of state government, is now done out of this group called Jobs Ohio, which is completely privately funded. There's no taxpayer dollars at all. And the reality is when they were created, instead of hiring a thousand people, they realized there were these RGPs around the state. Why don't we partner with them? They know their backyards, they know the companies, they've been doing the work. Let's give them some financial resources. So what used to be done out of state government, even when it comes down to negotiating incentives, we now do that on behalf of the state for the 17 counties in Northwest Ohio. And now we work and partner very closely with our friends on our border. So whether it be Dayton, Columbus, or Cleveland, we work very, very closely with them. We talk daily. So it has truly become a much more collaborative environment and versus fighting with each other and then having the company say, okay, I don't wanna work with you people, I'm going down to Georgia, and that doesn't help anybody. Um, it's, been a, it's been just a phenomenal partnership with Jobs Ohio, and they bring a lot of resources to the table. And as long as we're talking about additional collaboration outside of the region, I know you know very well, when we went privately funded back in 2005, within a couple of months, we incorporated the three counties in Southeast Michigan into our kind of semi-official footprint and in the last 10 years, we've developed an incredible relationship with the Northeast Indiana Partnership, a group like us that has 11 counties in Northeast Indiana right along our border. And so again, instead of trying to fight with them over projects and you know we're better and you should come to Ohio, not Indiana, certainly we want projects to come to Ohio, but we work very closely with them, especially on large projects because workforce, if we had a project in Van Wert that was huge, working with our friends in Fort Wayne, they would actually come to the company meetings with us. Even though they knew the project was only able to go in Ohio, they came and brought workforce data and things of that nature to make that company feel comfortable because they were gonna hire 2,400 people. How are we gonna find 2,400 people with these skill sets in Van Wert? So it, it's just those partnerships make a difference. Now go back to my consultant friends. There's simply not that many places around the U.S. that have this kind of working relationship. And the last thing I'm just going to say for your listeners, especially those hopefully that are Owens students or think about coming to Owens or thinking about workforce and jobs and their careers, again, there is no wrong door. Um, whether you're coming to someone here at Owens, everyone is now connected. So if you've heard something to go, wow, how do I learn more about that? It's very easy to do. It's painless. There's a lot of avenues to get there. 
and a lot of people that can share information for opportunity. So I'd say before you think about going somewhere else because you think you have to, check out the opportunities here first in Northwest Ohio. I think you'll find a lot um, no matter what your interests are. Question out of curiosity. Wake Forest is a beautiful campus in a gorgeous state. Blue Ridge Mountains, Uh North Carolina. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. Uh, Better access to fresh seafood. Yeah, three three hours from the ocean. It's fabulous. What's your question? What made you come back? That's a whole other story as well. But I say I went there to run track and cross country. Mm -hmm. Um, They brought in the coach the year before from out in California. I think he did four years worth of scholarship money in two years. (laughs) Everybody that came in was, I mean, I was a two-time All-American, and I was like one of the low guys on the totem pole. I mean, it was was incredible, this talent they brought in. It was, and there was one guy in Ohio that kind of was the catalyst, um, who was probably the best junior cross-country runner in the world. He was a year ahead of me uh, the year before, and Ramsey Thomas was the coach. He brought him in. George then recruited a bunch of us and say, hey, we're going to, we were in Sports Illustrated. We were going to be the first ever All-American National Championship cross-country teams at that time. Probably don't know if you weren't a runner, but UTEP, University of Texas, El Paso, was getting people from um, uh, Kenya and here, the 28-year-old freshmen coming in that were world, I mean, they you were winning the national championship every year. And we finally thought, okay, we're going to put the super team together. And honestly, I tore all the ligaments on the side of my one leg from my knee down, playing basketball, by the way, pickup game with the basketball team at Wake Forest. That's a whole nother Somebody else had a car issue. Somebody else had that. <laughs> so as quick as we all came in, everyone transferred back out. And I knew the coaches. You know, I'd grown up with them at BGSU and mm-hmm. came back and had a great four years at BG. So, But it was a great experience. Talk about experience as <laughs> a college. It was beautiful. It was it was really nice. So. Yeah, I've got some great stories from that for your uh, for your next podcast. That sounds wonderful. I ran cross country and track in undergrad as well, and UTEP was renowned really? for their yeah. program. Yeah. They, I mean, if you had never heard of the Texas schools for anything, you yep. knew for the, knew exactly. them for their running that was programs. For about 10, 15 years easily. Or so. Thank you so much for being our guest today. It was a wonderful conversation. I learned a lot. I'm sure that our listeners will learn a lot. And I hope that you'll be able to come back again sometime in the future. Well, thank you so much. It was my pleasure. I appreciate it. Thank you. That was such an informative and insightful conversation. It's clear that Northwest Ohio has a lot going for it, and we still have room to achieve even greater success. As Owens continues to strengthen our alignment with business and industry throughout the region, it's so heartening to know that we have such a strong partner in RGP. It's been thrilling to see some of the world's most transformative companies choose to call Ohio home, and I know we have a lot of students who are eager to start or to expand their careers with them. Thanks again to Mr. Dean Monsky and to all of our listeners. Be sure to follow conversations and join us for future episodes. Next time, we'll be talking to Finley-Hancock County Economic Development Director, Mr. Tim Miley. Until then, be well.